to the Dip Podcast. Ben Slykerman and Adam Elder here. Going to dive into the world of cinema here today as we've been really anxiously waiting to do in a podcast setting. So it's it's finally here and it's awesome. So as, as part of this new flagship show of our network here, we're getting into it. A huge movie right now that, that's out and it's it's dividing fan bases everywhere, I would say. Avatar, The Way of Water. So join us here as we take the dip into James Cameron's sequel of the Avatar series. We are, we saw this Thursday. It's currently Sunday. So four days, three days removed from then. When we saw it, bro, it was at 50 million. So the initial like day, the first day. 434 million already. 434 million? This movie cost $350 million to make, so they've already made that back three days. It only made, it took $350 million? Yeah. Oh, it was all CGI. I thought it was more than that. Mm-mm. $350 million was their, was their budget. Oh, wow. Which is nuts. $434 million Good right now. grief. Clear. It's been in theaters for three days. Four days. And you know this thing's running for a month. Oh yeah, month, month. There's gonna be theaters. There's gonna be theaters around the country that has have this thing for the next year, bro. Top Gun Maverick is still in theaters in Lancaster, Ohio. Think about that for a second. There's no fucking movies. There's no good movies to to, to keep in theaters. There's nothing. This movie's gonna last in the theaters in the box office, and it's gonna make residuals. That's ridiculous. That's fucking ridiculous. It's gonna get into the merchandising shit too. The merchandise for it is going to be off the chain. They're making the game for it and everything. The money, it was always going to be outrageous. And that's okay. It's a business. This, Yeah, it is a business. We're going to put it into this nice system of ratings that we have now for uh, the different elements of a movie that ultimately totals to a final score. And so through our discussion here, we'll detail each category's rating and we'll, we'll get into it. So Adam, no need to hold, pu- uh, pull punches here. Let's jump right in. Starting with characters, the category of the characters. We have a rating system here that takes four categories and has them scaled up to 20. One of them being characters. And for avatar, I had to give it an eight. I gave it an eight less than half the points possible. Like, it's just, I felt like it had to go below that center line because the characters just weren't interesting. Like, I mean, I get, I, I know who Jake Sully is from the first movie. Natiri definitely had more of a presence in the first movie as well. Like you sh- <laughs> shouted from upstairs earlier. She did nothing. Yeah, we she, were. she really didn't grow. It's almost like the first movie was three hour, almost three hours long too and took you on an entire journey. And then you think, what's really, really next for some of these characters? And some of them just, they played out a whole part in the first one. They had a whole redemption arc, like Natiri did. She took down the, the main bad guy who's now, who's now revived and in one of the giant nine-foot alien bodies and is now just a beast. <laughs> you know, he's got all of his military Marines training and stuff. If there's one quote from the movie I've actually said to myself more than twice since we've watched it is, when you kill a Marine, we all just regroup in hell or something like that. Oh, just bad. And so with, for me on the characters, I mean, to your point, like just underdeveloped and no arc, 
Like, tell me where the arc for Jake Soli is in this story. Tell me where there's an arc. Tell me where there's progress and development. He was a hero to start it and he was a hero to end it. Tell me where there's any sort of development for his wife. Right. There's none. There's no opportunity for it. We just know she's a badass that shoots green arrows. That's it. That's it. That is all we got. And once again, these big name movies and these, these huge budget movies just fail with female characters. They just absolutely fail with female characters and they just can never like write a solid, strong female character for some reason with depth and, and, and an arc and a story like completely different stories, bro. But when we're trying to look at this clear difference and think about Ray compared to Danny, bro, like this huge, big budget movie, we got the star female lead, just no depth to the character whatsoever, does nothing and achieves everything. And then you got Danny who goes on this whole twisted fucking journey and truly changes, whether you say it's for the better or the worse, this is a person who was alone and lost and felt just downtrodden, who finds a home and finds sanctuary with this fucking madness nonetheless. But you see the arc, like this movie there's no arc to these characters. The bad guy is just a bad guy in avatar form. Yeah. From the first movie. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. Well, to touch more on what you're trying to relate there between the two female characters, I feel like Danny was just, she was always the PowerPoint of that, that entire script. So like her character was the most recurrent. We know her thoughts. We are right there for the whole thing. You know what I mean? Things stayed attached to her the entire story, even though we got other pieces of information, other characters worked in well that had a niche in the story that provided something. It was all in working motion around the one centerpiece. And that was Danny. That whole story works in just a perfect flow to get her to that main, to get her to that end point, which ends in complete insanity. But we have Ray who her thought should be my life is going to end in complete insanity because now she's the, she's a Palpatine, right? And she was nobody that lived in Jakku in the desert. So her ending point had the same amount of twisting that could have been done there, but she just stayed on the, the middle track. And yeah, it was like, here's your first female lead in a star Wars movie, a big budget, big box franchise. That's going to make millions and millions, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars overall. And it's just like, how do you not even see that there's a lane there? It's because one, you have too much lore behind it, I guess. So you, and then in these new movies, you just want to pay so much respect to that lore. It did not take us long to get talking about star Wars. And that was inevitable. It's, it's inevitable when you're talking the world of like sci-fi movies. So like, obviously you're going to go there and, and let's be honest too. You can't run everything through the fucking like microscope of like how they tell stories over at a 24. Cause like the rest of Hollywood just simply doesn't do that. But like the core of a good story is there nonetheless. in a lot of these a 24 movies and in the bones of a solid movie, like they just, these guys know how to write. That's besides the point. With, with Avatar, when you're talking lore, I mean, let's, uh, let's look at that. For example, the lore, like they were so, he was so indulgent in the lore of this movie. I mean, everything yeah. about it was just like him exploring the world. And like, you need to have an element of that. That absolutely needs to happen, but we need to see it through the eyes of the characters. Yes. We need to see it through their journey, them exploring the world and us feeling like we're there with them on this journey, not this disconnected element where, 
just for the fuck of it, we're seeing all this shit. This beautiful, don't get it twisted, beautiful imagery, but has this soulless feeling because these characters that are experiencing it are completely flat. And it's just, right. it's sad. It's sad to watch happen because you can think about $350 million. You couldn't bring a story that even sniffs being worth that much money. I feel like the budget in this movie, like 312 of that had to go to the special effects in this movie. Like it was that overall in consuming. How much of this movie was really made in a real place, like in a real location? This movie was all green screen. I guarantee you 90% of this movie is green screened. Right. And not on a, or just on a stage and they build the certain parts of it. It just all looks like that at, at some points because talking about it with my coworker, I'm like, cause he talks about 3d. That was the first thing he told me. He was like, they say they're going to have a different kind of 3d for this. I told him, I was like the traditional 3d is always going to be popping out. But this one, didn't you, didn't you recognize a lot of it was inward 3D? A lot of it was looking down into stuff. A lot of it was looking down into the sea. And you'd have like, uh, you'd have like blurred imagery in the front popping out at you and then everything else inward. It was, it was a weird effect. I know exactly what you're talking right, about. Right, right. So like, yes, and that forced, that forced depth and um, forced perspectives almost to make it seem like it was just like, you were actually looking 800 yards out into the ocean, like, and all that stuff. Yes. It was very impressive. It was extremely impressive. But like I said earlier, it was like video game cutscenes when it was like in between in these dialogue scenes. And I just, I didn't care about some of these. But I mean, we're talking about the main characters here pretty in depth, but like even the side characters and the new characters weren't interesting either because they were all prototypical. Oh, here's the new chief. His wife is a hard ass. He's kind of, he seems like a softy, but he's hard behind like closed doors on the kids. There were so many weird parent, like parent stereotypes in this that were just like, don't belong. Yeah. That like didn't really seem to belong because it was like, if this place is about being an egoless place, it seemed like it revolved around one family and another part to begin with too. So they're kind of like uplifted by this one chosen person. Like, didn't he leave regular society to adapt to their culture and not try to like live out his American values still through these Navi people? Yeah. Like, wasn't the whole point of him to get away from that way of life. When it all played out like that in the end, <laughs> right. he was playing micro war yeah. with other, like, you know what I mean? I had a little write up here about it. I think it's appropriate to read it. It kind of a summary of where I'm at with the characters. And I went lower than you, bro. I'm going to just be cold as ice. I gave it a five. Five is fair. I gave the characters a five. I said to me, these characters simply do not carry enough depth to propel this story forward in an enjoyable and rewarding manner. I said the main character, Jake Soley, who claims to pride himself on being a selfless father and leader, manages to make numerous reckless decisions <laughs> that put other in, others in danger, including his family, which just baffles me. Uh, starting with the decision to first flee to the uh, Metcaina clan, uh, the water, the water clan, um, as a way to save the Metakaya clan, his original clan. When you you know it's clearly obvious that Miles and his gang of scallywags are going to come and destroy that whole 
area looking for you. So you, uh, you leave one Navi clan to destroy another. So the other Navi clan is worth more than these water people's home. Think about that one village that gets, that they show. Yeah. Yeah. So their village wasn't as worth as much as your homeboys back in the forest. What are we talking about here? And when the overarching theme of the movie is nature is beautiful and humorous humans fucking destroy it. What are we talking about here? This man literally is just carrying destruction with him everywhere he goes. And we'll get into how I feel they should have went about it in the plot differently. Cause I think there's bones of something solid there. We can talk about it in the plot, but that was just kind of my overall feel from it. Like my initial thoughts. Cause I mean, we're obviously we're going to focus on the main characters, but even like you said, with these side characters, None of the people in the village were that interesting either. The girl in that in his son's connection just never it wasn't it wasn't really it wasn't there. real. Yeah, it just never felt real. I wasn't She was the young daughter and he was the younger son. Yeah, it's that con- was the connection. It's contrived. Yes, it's, it was extremely contrived. Completely contrived because once again they didn't give them any we'll talk about dialogue. Like they didn't give them any good dialogue. There was, there was no solid exchanges or anything like that. There was no real um, subtext ever. Everything was pretty straightforward and just just fell completely flat. And I just, on dialogue, I was at a five as well. I'm sitting at 10 when we're just looking at characters and dialogue here. And that's, that's rough. Dialogue, I put at seven. I put seven. So I went a little bit higher on that. I don't know, like, but I wouldn't be feeling wrong if I put that at a five either. The reason I even gave it a five is because a big budget movie like this is going to be corny. Naturally, there's going to be corny moments. And I think there there were certain corny moments, especially with dialogue that I think they did right. Yes. But overall, I mean, really what hampers the dialogue for me is simply the cousin bro thing. Yeah. I just can't out of place slang just felt so out of place. The slang just felt so out of place. Like every time one of them guys said, bro, are these guys really from a surfer town in LA? Like (laughs) again, Jake Soli left American society and culture to live with the Navi and become a Navi. And he's teaching his sons to call everyone cousin, bro. Bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Like what are we doing here? Seriously. To get back with contrived dialogue. Two of the most ham-fisted characters are the in the entire movie are the the scientists, the the reckless scientist who enjoys killing the whales. Plain and simple, he enjoys killing the whales. And I'm okay money. with that because that that's a plot device that's going to help. Like that character is almost a plot device that's going to help convey your human destruction element. But just done so poorly. Yes, just also incredibly poorly and obviously where you're like, oh, this guy's a bad guy simply because he is the the captain of the ship who wants to personally shoot the whales. And how awful was it that they shot the whale like six times? They did it in the most inhumane way possible. I think that whole sequence, though, if the rest of the movie had been done well, that was one sequence that I think really would have been impactful because it was this whole dramatic scene where they have to do so much to take down this whale because this whale is such a beautiful, intense, strong, powerful creature, right? And it's, it's a beautiful planet. So like, yeah, you just see the, the destruction of that in its purest form. And it is an absolute war to get there. But 
at this point in the movie, I mean, fuck, we're what two hours in, yeah. probably. Yeah. Yes. No, I am tired. I am exhausted at how painstakingly boring this has already been. That now you're going to give me something like this that probably should have been a little bit earlier in the movie. Like the connection between them and the scientist group should have started earlier. Because the whales were a huge part of the story when you really look, comes down to it. They were like the back 60% of the movie, right? Like they were the ones really driving everything. And then it's like, they just came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, like it goes as deep as the mom has a spirit sister with the fucking whales. And they like talk together, whale subtitles. And how ridiculous is it that how many times does it get hammered into our brain that they're smarter than humans? They're smarter than Navi. They're smaller, smarter than everybody. They're the smartest beings on the planet. And yet you're drilling in and getting their brain fluid, which is worth $8 billion, $80 billion, whatever it was. Such an ancillary number to that, too. He was. Remember how when could, he thought how about could it? I give a shit? Yeah, the, that dialogue was so bad because he was like, this is worth... Uh, 80 million or 80 billion, whatever it was. And it's just like, I'm pretty sure it was 80. I can't remember if it was million yeah. or billion. I think it was million, maybe. But it's like, mm, 80 million. It was literally like, you just made up a number. Like they were filming you and you yeah. literally just fucking made up a number. Right. They're like, yeah, just fucking come up with a number. Like, I feel like that was the direction in that. James Cameron's sitting in his seat. He's like, yeah, just fucking come up with a number. We're going to plus, we're going to press record and you're going to, because we literally don't fucking care. We don't about the care. Message here. We don't care about the message. Show it, get it over with. The whole movie is just about brutality. When you really think about it, it's about, all about brutality. And they tried to make it into a story about how this family is like, I don't know. I, they definitely tried to paint the Sully's as the winners in the out. Like by the end of the movie, I'm only invested because we've been seeing this story from their point of view for most of the movie. And at this point I was trying to question motives that Jake Sully had himself because of how much he fucked over the other tribes and stuff yeah. and his own, yeah. because how great of a move was it for him to abandon the tribe when the, the Marines, if they're aware of any other tribe on the planet, it's that one and they're going there first and they're going to fuck it up. That's what I mean. Like what if they just want to just now that they know you're not there, Okay, let's fucking ruin them, and then we'll go find him. Let's fucking destroy his home and his family, and then he's really smoked out. Yeah, exactly. Because remember, you know what, you know what was there in the woods? Uh, the unobtainium rock mineral thing. That was worth $80 billion, too, back on the price. Like, you know, back at Kroger, yeah. here on Earth, <laughs> back at the stock market, whatever. What, was it ever explained what the brain juice was ever used for? Does it like cure cancer or something? He said it right there. He, he said a couple of different things that it did. I can't remember. I don't remember either. And again, I don't remember because I wasn't fucking invested. Right. Because I was like, oh, of course it can cure cancer, bring back eyesight and like make people walk again and that kind of stuff because it's a magic serum. Not even thinking about how it probably has to be transported back through space to earth or wherever people live in this time period that was the reason i was not invested because when i saw those devices i was like oh you mean like the other thing from the first movie a completely satellite part to the plot that didn't drive the ending really at all it was just another thing for the americans to have greed over and how stupid was it when the scientist is like you know they're smarter and he's like yeah more neurons Way more neurons way more pathways and to and to your point right there you're saying like this is just another thing that 
that the Americans are just humans blindlessly greedy about. Right. Which is fine because that fits your total that fits your total message. But once again, when your characters, your main characters, your heroes do nothing to revert that and truly protect this planet, because all we see is the planet being harmed. Right, exactly. Because of your direct results of your actions, like I'm sorry, I, I I can't feel your message. And so I guess we can summarize character and dialogue right there just to close it out here. Again, you had eight on character dialogue. You were seven, seven. Okay, I was at a five and a five. Because like you said, there were some campy elements to this movie where it just hit the beat. You know, it definitely didn't miss on some things where it just had the Arnold Schwarzenegger lines almost in it. You know, like that's fine. The let's get it would have been a lot cooler at the end if, like, I didn't already fucking hate him. Yeah. <laughs> like, at the end when he was like, yeah. all right, let's get it. Yeah. Like, that would have been a lot cooler if I didn't already hate this guy. And at that point, didn't I didn't already see him. him die, too. Yeah. God, yeah. Eight and seven for me. I'll kick us off with plot here. This is where my biggest low blow. I'm giving it a four out of 20. So I was a little bit higher. I was at a six. And I'm at a six because I think there's the bones of a decent story there. So let's go ahead and get into it. I think they have all the elements to have a decent story. And again, I think it hits some of those campy classic moments very well. I thought the arm getting cut off when that guy was awesome. <laughs> yeah, wild. I would have cared about it more if the characters were better, but I think they hit it pretty well. So there's parts of the plot that are like that, where that's where it barely ekes out a six. But I completely understand you hitting it with a four. So go ahead, lay into it, dude. Have at it. I felt like the plot really burned for about 35 minutes into the movie. And then I, after that, I was I was out. I was like, oh, so it's going to be Jake versus Quaritch in the end. And we had some quick quick hitting at the beginning to kind of set up some yeah. back. And that's fine. You have to do that. But I was bored. I was bored before they got to the water tribe because after a while, I was like, I think I had went to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom once and that was had to be like an hour in at that point, close to an hour in, if not like 40 minutes at the least when I went while I was walking back in, I was thinking I was trying to make the most ignorant comment about it. I was like, what do they even call it? The way of water. I haven't seen fucking water anywhere. You know, it's like, right. there's been no water for at least a third of the movie. There's no water, right? Like it's not about the water tribe at all. And then they get ended up, Contra, basically contrabanded into this war. That's why by the end of the movie, like I was referencing in the characters part, like I was wondering whose side are we really supposed to be on right. if we don't have this emotional investment because it seems like Jake Sully is trying to destroy everything else out of ego, like artistic choices. Yeah, and that's why the plot just, it was nothing. It was nothing to me. It was nothing. I didn't, I wasn't even on the hitch when the, the younger son started to go on his journey with the wild warrior Tahuk or whatever the whales were called. You know what I mean? And it was just like, oh, of course he has the link because that's his character. He's supposed to. Right. He's Jake Sully's son. Yeah. Resident badass. Yes, exactly. Son of the resident badass. Literally the greatest Marine ever. So Jake Sully. for me, the plot, if I'm writing the story, I'm approaching this whole thing different, right? This is supposed to be an adventure. This is supposed to be exciting. This is supposed to be discovery a journey. Okay. So how about your approach to leaving that tribe is if your approach is I'm escaping, I'm getting out of here. So they don't continue to get hurt. I want them to have to try to hunt me down and I need to be remote 
I need to, I need to find a new vantage point. It needs to be remote. I need to, you know what I mean? Like I need to set up a stronghold almost. I need to disappear though. I don't need to go to a place where, I mean, let's be honest. If the bio, biologists fucking know, and they're over there hunting whales, it's not going to be hard for miles to figure out that they're yeah. fucking, and it wasn't hard. They figured out there's a bunch of villages over there. They had Intel nearly immediately on this. Yeah, fucking place. Right. Yeah. They're going to come and fuck that place up. They talked about how vast this area was and how around how many islands there was versus how many like villages there was. And if I remember correctly, that was about a hundred, a difference of about a hundred or so. Like they were talking about how many islands there were versus how many villages and how long it would take. It's like, go to one of the islands that's remote. You, so if I'm writing this story, they leave, but they go to this remote island. We don't even need to know how many tribes and villages are out there because let's not go get them fucking destroyed. Right. They right. go to a remote, what they think is like a remote island or whatever. Maybe there's some lore you can dive into behind that with because you're indulgent. It's a fucking sequel. That's fine. You get there, you think it's remote. You're kind of discovering some things on your own. And then all of a sudden a tribe stumbles upon you. And this tribe is hostile because you're invading. Right. And this, and then you, you, you build from there rather than it being, we know this place is there. Let's just fucking escape there and show up and hope they let us in and beg and beg. So you're, you're weakening your characters by having them just fly to these people's front doorstep and beg when you're supposed to be an insightful, creative badass who has tact and strategy because you're a fucking Marine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instead you go harm. You put more people in danger. No, if I, if I'm writing the story, I do it in that approach. You go somewhere remote. The, the encounter between that tribe and you is much different starts off on a much different note and then builds from there. You have an initial conflict between the two rather than them just being on the front doorstep begging. Your heroes are on the front doorstep of people that we don't even know and they're begging. But we knew they were going to get let in. Yeah, and that's the problem. Even though we were served some pretty... I mean, they made the same remarks. They said, you won't bring your war here with you. And then like eight minutes later, everybody's like, they have kids. We'll let them in. Like, okay, let's just abandon all thought here. Right. Honestly. Let's put our own family in danger. For a halfie. For a half-blood, if nothing else. (laughs) Right. Right. There was some weird racism going on there. Right. Between tribes. Yeah. So that's very awkward. And that's why I'm still at a six, because I'm like, okay, there's some elements there to work with. There really is. Of course, yeah. And, and yeah. you have this beautiful word, world to explore. To me, my approach that I just laid out there has more of a discovery element to it, has more of an adventure element to it. This was not an adventure. This is let's go from point A to point fucking B that we know is there, and that's beg. And I'm sorry, that's fucking weak. That is weak. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, this is allegedly the second movie of a five movie series. I know. Where is this going? The fifth, if Jake Sully is still in the fifth movie, like what's going on? Yeah. Why? Right. He arguably could have had an end in this movie. I know. And it would have been heroic and it probably would have been heroic and like way more fulfilling than watching his son die. I think in the third one, he needs to die. If I'm writing this trilogy, Jake Sully has got to go. 
No, they'll do it in the next one. Yeah, he'll have the hero's exit, but just a movie late when all he did was fuck things up right in front of his hands. And then it dies with apparently no regret on his hands, though, on his conscience, because he feels justified right. in everything that he did to end that movie, too. And then his wife has to encounter grief and go inhuman. I'm sure, like, there's something... And I think from where I was at on that and in terms of how the story would progress from there too, if I'm, if at that point, you know, you build this element of from, from towards the beginning, let's not have this whole weird relationship between miles and his son be like such a highlight. Why don't we rather like get these fishermen introduced a little bit sooner? Let's dive more into that. Let's make, Again, we're assuming the characters are interesting at this point. So that these fishermen guys are interesting characters or exciting characters. Let's introduce that team up element earlier where they're like, hey, these biologists do know this area where we're going and we need to hunt him down because he's on a remote island somewhere. And they know where some of these tribes might actually be lurking and stuff because they're fucking scientists and they're out there doing research and stuff. Yeah. And then you can have the phone where they're like, all right, let's go fish. You know what I mean? Let's give this guy his, he's chomping at the bait here. He's been helping us. Let's let's let, let him relieve that tension, but it needed to come sooner. And again, had any of these characters been interesting, your overarching message would have conveyed really well with that sequence at that point. And that's what I mentioned a little bit earlier when we were initially talking about it. Like, I think that sequence has so much potential. There is so much potential there for him to hit at home right. and, and really yeah. bring it out. And it's just, it just fucking, again, the plot was so bad up to that point and so boring. And it was so long into the movie that I didn't care anymore. Like your plot was already off the rails. Let's talk about a comparison scene. Two scenes that were essentially the same, one of which we've touched on here a couple of times, and that's when they're extracting the brain juice. Think about when the the son of Jake Sully, I can't remember what his name was, the youngest son. I have I have no idea what it's his tough name. to pronounce the names too, I'll be honest. I just I had no chance of remembering them. But like when he is inside swimming. And like the lights, the bioluminescent lights are like lighting up the inside of the whale and stuff. And like, it's this whole like trippy, beautiful experience. And he connects with it in the stomach and has the trust that it's not just going to swallow him. You know what I mean? It did that. And then when we're on the inside, when they're extracting it, it's just plain. It's just a whale. It just has skin. It just looks, it's nothing. You know, it's a big open cavern that they're just like, yep, this is the mouth. And like, it's things like that where I think that I think the potential was in rather than the story because I'm like, there's a comparison there that could have been so strongly put together. But like when you think about this movie, those two scenes, they were so directly unrelated. They had no tangible feeling. The dichotomy them. doesn't exist. They just feel so distant. Right. Because there's nothing in between that wants you to, really make that connection while you're watching the movie. Cause I didn't. Right. Cause I'm not invested about it until just now. Right. Yeah. I'm not invested by that point. Emotionally. Yes, I'm, I'm really not. Like, invested. I don't care. Like I have a four. Okay. In plot, you're at a four. I'm at a six. All right. So moving on to cinematography, visual, visual effects, that type of stuff. 19. I gave this movie a 19. So it's interesting. You said I started at an 18. I went ahead and kicked it down to a 17 for the sheer fact that it was so overindulgent and the plot was so bad 
that it felt lifeless. I think I said soulless earlier, like soulless and lifeless is almost what this beautiful visual escapade becomes because of how bad all the other elements were. Right. And, and it, I know it's a separate category and we're looking at it from just, you know, if we're looking at it purely from the visual and the cinematography element, like, yeah, a lot of cool effects, a lot of cool approaches and different things, but ultimately this does total to a final overarching score and thought process. So that's why I knocked two points off it. Cause initially I was with you. I'm like, yeah, this is damn near a 20, but then I'm like, right. But it's soulless. That's where like, I felt like the experience was there because James Cameron is going to make a palpable experience. Yes. And he did. And he did. It was a good time. I didn't have a bad time watching the movie. Absolutely visually stunning in every discernible way. Pandora was palpably alive and breathing. A true rollicking experience. That's a little bit shorter than I thought it was. (laughs) I mean, it's all there to me. Like, when think about Nope, what was what was the center point thing about Nope that is made it a director's movie? It's because it was really about getting the impossible shots. That was kind of the point to that movie, I feel like, was showing how ridiculous things get when you're looking for the impossible shot. When you're invested in getting the picture, getting it on screen. You know, when it comes down to the very opening scene. And that's also directly relating to where the characters are at in their life, too. Right, right. Each of them are trying to achieve something that's kind of spiritually like taking your shot, going for that shot. Yes. Like, it all connects. Because it's a well-written story and it's a (laughs) fucking dumpster fire like this thing was. An extremely well-written story about getting the impossible shot. And then I look at this movie and I'm like, this movie is that movie. It's the impossible shot and the impossible shot followed by another and another and another and another. Right. Until like you're three hours just, and yes, 30 minutes. It in. does not stop. It is the impossible shot one after the other. I want a profile shot of a person standing in the middle of a planet that doesn't exist, completely foliaged out, all kinds of just dense real environmental feeling around it, plenty of lore. I want to create the cricket that's sitting on this leaf that's next to his ear. I want it to have a name and a genealogy. That's what this movie is. Like, to me, that's a 19. Like, that's where this movie was written, was in those little things. Everything else, yeah, it feels like they were just like, fuck it. We have trope-worthy characters here that fit right into a profile. You just write a story about it. And then in the meantime make the best CGI movie that's probably ever, ever been made. Yeah. Ever been Agreed. made. Agreed. Like, that's what, like, that's what, see, and it plays That's right what was redeeming about things. the experience of walking in there and watching it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to front. It was, the, it was the impossible shot one after the other. Yeah. That's fantastic. It was great. If I wanted to feel like I wanted to peel back what I was looking at, almost like, and try to take it in all at once. Yeah. I would feel a lot better if the ele- other elements of the story were even there. Right. You'd probably be at a 20 right now, but still, no, I'd probably still leave it at a 19 because that's my true feelings about it. Because what a 20 is going to be to me is not a CGI movie that has the omniscient camera. It's going to be, you know, like the single camera movement and uncutting like Paul Thomas Anderson 
one of my all-time favorite. That's going to be the 20. The Master by Paul Thomas Anderson, that's a 20. If you want cinematography out of 20, that's a 20. This movie's a 19 because it has the most impressive visual graphics I've ever seen. But there's drawbacks to that because right when I, as soon as I saw some of this, I was like, this is the greatest PlayStation game that's ever been made. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it looks like the greatest PlayStation game they could ever make. And that's great. You know, like, that's great. That's a hell of a feat. Right. But to me, there's nothing else to it but that. Like that, the impressive setups like that. Yeah, I'm and, just like. And to this day, I'm sorry. When you have a the CGI, real life, those scenes always just they just feel off. They are, yes, the doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. The uncanny valley still exists to this day, and it's no one's fault. Like if you're making one of those movies, you're gonna have it, but like. To a certain point, I think that's always going to knock it down a little bit for me, too. And that's why you're never going to be a 20 in a movie like this, because like I think the pract- practical effects is what tr- is truly fascinating. When you have a combination of not only just CGI, but you got practical effects going along so well, like fucking poetry with your cinematography, like that's that's truly beautiful. No practical effects here. All visual, all CGI and just over the top, obviously, and that's okay. But that to me isn't like that isn't top tier. That's yeah. not that's not yeah. top tier filmmaking from well, a visual let's, element. Let's bring in other elements of that. The Marvel movies. Just as bad in terms of that, right? CGI, yeah. but their CGI is way poorer. Yeah. I feel like the CGI in the Marvel movies very lacking compared to this. And I'm ashamed to make this <laughs> uh, confession to you, but there were times where I was watching this movie and I really actually thought to myself and still feel believe there were times in this movie where I thought this makes Dune look low budget. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, Dune looks low budget compared to this. Yeah. When I started thinking about the actual depth of a lot of like the close up scenes on Dune mm-hmm. and how it was, uh, it was in a studio, but it was also shot on location. And they use a lot of corridors in that movie. You know, it's a very corridor based movie, right. long hallways, big atriums. And like, like when that's you think a, about that's that, the George Lucas thing. Yes. Yes, definitely. And there, yes, there was all kinds of star Wars re- references within that movie as well. But like, when you think about what that kind of CGI is, like you had the big, like of almost of course shots of space, you know, like the big, like the, the, spaceship is flying right in front of your face very slowly. Like just these pulling shots, like of just poetry, watching them fly through space, you know, Mm -hmm. those kind of things. You have that in Avatar in the beginning when the Marines land on Pandora. Oh yeah. Beautiful. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Like I was like, holy shit. I was like, that actually, that looks incredible. Those were the things where I was like, this looks better than star Wars. It looks better than a Marvel movie. It looks better than Dune. Like, and all three incredibly visual movies. Like how many times did we sh- see a ship lowering to the ground in Dune? I'm sorry, that opening sequence shit on all of them. Yeah, yeah. I wish the soundtrack would have been better to pair with it. Yes, yes. Think about the scene from Dune when all the Bene Gesserit mothers land on, and it's almost kind of awkward to think about it when it's that dun, 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 music in the background and they're wearing the big box things. But it's like so simple. It's one big bright light. It's... One big mechanism. 
what well, yeah one big mechanism that's shining all of the light complete blackness otherwise it's got the rain coming up over top like you think about that that's all practical like that's all like they staged all of that and then you look at avatar and you're like <laughs> it's all cgi and like it makes it look so much different and so much more advanced and like it's not to put dune to shame absolutely at all love dune but like Dune's a better overall movie. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Dune was a better overall movie back in 1968 when it was written as a book. James like, Cameron can't whew. sniff Villanueva on a fucking, on a, on a level. Do you think that's kind of what the motive here is? James Cameron, like, I want my own IP of, of science fiction. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean obviously that's that. what it is, yeah, but that. like. But I guess I never considered it as an entry like Star Wars, you know, that this is like a franchise movie. Like, this is something that's... It's Mods 5, and we're in the world of fucking spinoffs, so are we going to see Avatar series? Oh, yeah, I bet we do. And it won't be by him at that point. It'll, it'll, no, it'll grow it shouldn't be. And yeah, shouldn't and it be. shouldn't be. It'll grow beyond him, but that's where you're headed. That's where you're headed. Oh, my God. And I won't be participating. The Avatar on uh, Amazon Prime. Yeah, I know. Like... That, have I ever not wanted to subscribe some, to something more, more that I, I already know. don't want to yep. subscribe to Prime Video? You didn't, sell me you, know on, I mean? you didn't sell me on Rings of Power. I don't think you're yeah. fucking selling me on, on Avatar. You know what I mean? That's where I'm at. So, so you have 17. 17. I have 19. All right, let's get into the last two categories here. The uh, two categories that are only worth 10. The first two, obviously, or the first four are worth 20 each. Um, we were obviously... Pff- Below even the midpoint on all of those, <laughs> right? Almost all of them. Except for cinematography. For yeah, that's the only thing that got close to the highest uh, rating of 20 there. Uh, for the last two, the ceiling rating and the floor rating, uh, both worth 10. Ceiling rating, how me and Adam discussed this, is essentially, you know, the ceiling is the high point of the movie. And when it was at its highest, what was it worth? The floor rating is when was the movie at its worst and what was that worth? What did that look like? So ceiling, I'm at a six. Really? I am. You're lower? No. You're higher? Ceiling, I'm, bro, ceiling on this movie. I'm at in a the six. fucking midst of it when, this, when shit's blowing up. I can't. There, here, I can't. there, up, down. I put a 10. I put a 10 as a ceiling because it just got that, like, the action sequences were just that good. They weren't Blade Runner level foot tappers. But there was a couple foot tappers in there. There's a couple foot tappers in there. No. Okay, maybe how about this? I'll bargain with you. This is my stroke, my common stroke take of the podcast is a 10 on the ceiling. I'm going to knock it down to an 8. See, I was thinking I could live with going up to a 7. I'm thinking I could live with saying 7 rather than 6. I could live with that. I could stomach that because I agree. Once again, just like in the dialogue, how they hit some of those campy elements they absolutely hit some of those campy element beats in this story as well. Like you, you had some of those big moments. I, the sequence of the whale was still fun, albeit it did fall ultimately flat as we've already pounded into the ground. It was still a fun sequence. <laughs> Shit was blowing up. That the last fight scene was fun too, even though we know the payoff was just not that exciting. No, because they got saved in the most obvious way. The light things. And that's another thing, too. The climax, I'm... Okay, let's talk about it. The climax, bro. And we, and this, this, this ropes in the plot, too, because this is all connected, and that's my point. 
the, the climax where Jake and the Met, Metkayan Nina clan, the Metkayina clan, decide that we have to storm the, these people and save Jake's kids and save uh, the, uh, the tribe leader's kids. So this whole battle ensues, and then the whale gets involved, and the whale just <laughs> absolutely wrecks stuff. The whale. Which is awesome, dude. It like, was awesome, but it was so ridiculous. It was so ridiculous, but I'm okay with that. Like we I have two mo- we have two whale moments to talk about, two crucial whale, whale moments. moments. That yeah. were just no three, actually. Three. Yeah. There's three. That that part is crazy, but then where does where do the Metkayina people go? Where did they go? They just deuced after the first battle. They were they, just like, ah. I don't even see it happen. And then, like, their daughter, they leave their daughter. Yeah. Once again, again, we have characters just being reckless and abandoning their families. Like, (laughs) like at first, I felt bad for those people, right? I was like, yeah, like, Jake came here and fucked all your shit up. And then I'm like, wait a minute, your daughter. daughter. I'm sticking with it. I'm going to say, okay, I'm putting it at eight because. I the action sequences were just were they were nice they were nice and I was invested in those and uh, you know the cinematography alone like we were talking the yeah. visuals and stuff that's gonna raise your ceiling it's right. gonna raise your ceiling absolutely eight is a comfortable ceiling for me now because like that's probably worth about ten percent of the movie yeah overall like yeah he, like the visuals and stuff like that so everything else is so bad that it brings nothing to the ceiling. All you're working with in the ceiling is because of the visuals and stuff like that. I feel like, which is why I'm so low on it because I'm like, that's all you're bringing to the table when you're talking ceiling floor where you at, dude. Two, two is my floor because it got pretty flamed out. there. And like, I would say I am confident in saying 65% of this movie was at the floor. Where it was just that bad. After the third time I heard cuz and bro within like three or four minutes of each other, I was like, no, I'm good. Like I could leave right now and honestly not be upset that I missed the rest of this movie. (laughs) So that to me is the floor. Whenever someone says cuz or bro, your immediate floor status for me and my floor was three, I'm with you. I'm knocking it down to the two. I mean, there was parts of this where I couldn't stomach. Right. Yeah. Because I was just so exhausted with how how poor everything was. That wasn't visual. Let's talk about some of these floor moments here. We have a couple floor moments they haven't brought up. First, we're going to talk about the three whale moments. The whale interrupts the classic Mexican standoff at the end with hostages. Just reckless. It hits a what? What did it do? It hit a bomb into something else and exploded that. Like, yeah, it deflected a bomb. Yeah, with its head. It was like, what? <laughs> yeah. it was just like what? It deflected Out of control. a bomb with its head, dude. It was awesome. It was so fucking awesome, dude. I was losing my shit when that happened. It was epic. I loved it. I loved that during these whale moments. Our group was pretty much the only one that laughed. Like everybody else was like, oh, but we were like, ah. <laughs> that was incredible, like, dude. Oh, that was so entertaining. Second whale moment. When the the whale pulled the rope, no, that whale knowingly waited for that guy to be tied up and then yanked the rope 
Like it was my mom yanking a tooth out of my mouth when well, I was six. And a limb for a like, limb. What? Limb for a limb, bitch. I mean, that guy got his. Oh, yeah, true. That's true. what it was. Limb for a limb, dude. That's why that part did hit pretty hard for me. I was like, wow, that's actually pretty cool. Like, that's like pretty, like, that has some depth it to was, it. But it was done in the way where the whales are just like, I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe it. The whales are just so like, what's up, bitch, about it? You know what I mean? I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, the whales are just falling out of control in this world. Literally flopped itself onto a freighter and just destroyed people. Third whale moment. When the whale, before it does the arm jerk, it jumps over the boat. Yeah. doesn't touch the boat. Just Flawless. for no reason, finesse. for no reason, no f- all finesse, all finesse. They could have easily had a harpoon gun and just went, right. and just shot that thing right in the stomach. Or it's clearly not Someone ready. Injured. It's clearly not ready to deflect your fucking bomb. How about we toss that now? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. true. But it just went right over the top to taunt first. Easy flagrant one. And then like spears the side of the boaters. It was just too, like, I'm watching a whale. Mike Tyson, a fucking ship right now. Yeah. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is, wow. Like, this is the spiral point that we've ended up at. And you have to go there. You're, you were bound to go there. But, like, one, the payoff would have been so much better if I cared. Right. Right, exactly. But instead, it was just exciting because of how awesome it looked. Right. Yes. And, and that's just the overarching theme of this whole discussion. I feel like it's like, it's just it, it f- f- flat. So like, to, I mean, to sum it all up here, my kind of in conclusion on the whole thing is what is meant to be a sci-fi epic to me, ultimately falls flat with stunning visuals dying in vain due to the indulgent plot and characters who are not nearly developed enough to convey the overarching theme of the film. I mean, that's the best way I could say it. It's just, it's beautiful, but what for? One of the shittiest fucking plots ever? <laughs> so, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> not good dude not good I'm gonna add up my score here I'm 48 out of 100 I'm 42 48 and 42 I almost wrote a riddle for the end of mine like I have a thing in here that I thought I was gonna be able to remember but for some reason I can't mine says harsh but fair about the score 48 out of 100 Max score for visuals and breathtaking moments, but utterly void of pivotal intention raising second and third act exposition, along with a fate that happened 13 years ago, only twice in the sequel somehow. Facts. Like, I was like... No, the second and third act suffer so bad. Right, exactly. So bad. That's what I... I mean, that's what I said earlier. There was like 38 minutes of plot for me that was just... I mean, it starts to fall off the rails before you even fully break into two. Right, exactly. I mean, the catalyst is a horrible decision. The catalyst for them to believe like that, just that whole part is bad. Just bad. So we have our final scores on Avatar here. Let's go through a little lightning round to end us off here. This is all the movies that we've seen this year. Now, Avatar... 48 out of 100. Definitely didn't end the year on something good. 
However, it may not be final because there's one more Damien Chazelle movie coming out called Babylon. It comes out on the 23rd. So we still got another couple days. Interested Damien Chazelle, good director. He's had some ones that I haven't watched before, like um, the Ryan Gosling one with the, as an astronaut. I had no draw to that. First Man, it was called. I think it's about Neil Armstrong. So I'm wondering what this is going to really be like. He's really good at making movies about music, but I don't know what this is going to be. I think it's going to be old Hollywood. So I'm wondering if it's going to be... That's Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie, right? Yes, yes. I... I'm getting tired of people writing that character for Brad Pitt. Yeah, because what is he going to be in this, really? It's Cliff like Booth. Just, yeah, he's going to be classy Cliff Booth. And, dude, Bullet Train even looked like Cliff Booth. Yeah. I'm like, what's Cliff Booth doing in a fucking art house action movie? He's just hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? What, what are we they doing want here? Bullet Train to be such, like, a big movie. I People know. want it to be, like, a John Wick-like movie. Yeah. Like, and both of those have that weird, like, like out, art house look to them. Too. Yeah. Like they have all the like, the, yeah, the, the John neon, Wick stuff started to get weird too. The neon, yeah, colorscapes and yeah, it's it's all vomit work. Let's go down this list though, real quick. First movie we saw this year, Men. I'm giving that an 85. Men's a strong 85, and I feel like it's just simmered over time too. It's where it's just, it's still great. Yeah, I've, I felt like if I go back and watch it again, I'll like it even more. I've, I, I'm gonna see because that's where I'm at. I was thinking like high 80s, like even higher, like 88. Knocking that's on what the, I was thinking, but I'm like, I don't know. I think it's knocking on the door of a 90. There were some pretty awkward parts of that movie too that made us unintentionally laugh, but added to the whole element. It was, it was all, it was all within that universe. You know what I mean? It didn't feel out of place. That's the right. Point. Yes. As, yes. As, well, it was all absurd. Yeah, as cringeworthy as it was, it was it's it all fit in art house that was. So. Yeah, I would say eighty eight. The Northman, I gave it an eighty one. I'm higher on the Northman too because I think something. The characters in Northman are way more enjoyable than Avatar and have a similar arc to what would have been in the Avatar movie as well. Yes, like, and I'm not know? acting like these were the greatest characters of all time in the Northman because they weren't. But then you also had some crazy visuals and some fun CGI stuff too. So that's why I think ultimately- just a story that you stuck to. Yes. That was just completely on the nose the whole time, always focused. And that's why that I'm a little it. bit higher than that. I'd say 85, 86. 86. It's I don't good. think it has a lot of rewatch for me. I don't think movies in general anymore really have a lot of rewatch value. There's something about movies no, that are made I now. disagree. I disagree. I, I know. I, I find it hard to watch movies a lot now. Rewatch movies. I find it really hard. But I have is that just movies, or is that you just wanting to take in long form content? Because I am also like that. So I'm searching for something that's a little bit more like. I'm just searching for no. It's not just. I mean, it's. I'm searching for new movies. I just want the next next great story after that. True. Like after Ari Austin. I'm a bit. I'm a bit of a dweller in that. Yeah, in that wheelhouse, I'm a dweller for sure. I mean, I'll dwell in the sense that the next time I see something that I think is on that level, I'm obviously going to compare it to the last thing that was great that I saw because I'm like, okay, so how does this shape up with that? Yeah, because if it hits the upper echelon, you know what I mean. Like, I'm going to compare it. Yeah, but and Avatar certainly did not. No, but <laughs> what else do we have there? 
Um, we watched Nope. Nope. I Nope. I gave a ninety three. I'm fine with that. I Nope is love the Secretly, just one of the best movies ever. Yeah, I love like, the characters in that movie. I don't know. Like it, it really did surprise me that I've heard other people watch that movie and said they didn't like it very much. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, everything was there. Yeah, everything was that tight the whole time. Mm-hmm. The airtight. The, the visuals stayed were great. on beat. St- completely stayed on beat. Right. Got surreal. You run that bitch to save the cat. It's there. Right. It's, <laughs> it's true though. It's there. It's fucking there. You run it. Jordan Peele would be on it. <laughs> Fifteen point. Plot structure is fucking there, dude, and it's solid. But Sound. it does it in such a melodic. It does it in a fun, inventive way. Yeah, like there's just so much Hitchcock about. There's just new age. I think Jordan Peele is new age Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. I really think he's that strong along and has that that kind of style. Bodies, bodies, bodies. <laughs> Next up, seventy eight. I gave it a 45. Holy I thought it was pretty shit. bad. That movie was pretty bad, dude. Really? It was pretty fucking bad. I would think it's like in the 70s, bro. I would say like a 74, 75, just because of how fun it was. It was fun. It was fun, but like I got pretty bored of it after a while. Yeah. And now when I really think You're about right. it. You're right. I need to go lower. You're right. You got me, dude. I'm going 45. lower. <laughs> I'll say 50. 56. 56 is also, I would accept that as well. Oh, yes, points off the of fun factor really does put in like 12 extra points for that. Soundtrack movie. was pretty fun. I liked the way they kind of used music in that. It was movie. a movie yeah. about young people that wasn't like done by older people too. It right. felt like it felt like it was actually written by people who know who the annoying stereotype people are these days. Yeah. You know, but like again, it, like we discussed, I get what you were going for there at the end, but it, Oh it was God. dumb. It was the the ending was extremely awful. Yeah, it was I was I was trying to think about it the other day because I keep thinking back to how we were talking about how when Pete dies in the movie, he's just a dumbass. And that's yeah. all it was. The whole movie was created because Pete was a dumbass. Yeah. He hit himself in the neck with a sword. Yeah. Fucking and I was idiot. like, and then like, what does she say? The very last line of the movie is like, oh, look, I finally got signal or something like that. And it's like, yeah, I finally got service. Crazy. It wasn't. I hated that. Barbarian, forty-two. Fuck, I'm lower than that. Dude. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was twenty-nine-ish territory. That's twenty-five or lower territory, buddy. That is a bad movie. That I hate so the online ways. discourse that this was a good movie too. I don't. People know were how. like, the writer of this, Zach Kreger, he's just he took the story in an inventive way and tied in new age themes and just you know had a strong statement about like cancel culture like and that one guy getting like the rape allegations against him and stuff like that i was like it wasn't strong you tried to make us feel sympathetic for a guy that was a dick and it came out of nowhere and his connection to what was going on in michigan was so fucking dumb he had the last house that was standing in a non-existent neighborhood literally a non-existent neighborhood no one lived there no one fucking lived there. Yeah. And then there was like, not another livable house there. But that's supposed to be commentary too, is that the people that own property are so disconnected from what kind of conditions that they're actually oh owning and God. like making money off of and shit. Why did the house look pristine? <laughs> Who's maintaining that fucking yeah. house? Yeah. What the people that stay there? Right. Like, yeah. Not only that, it has a literal tunnel to hell underneath of it. Bad movie. Bad Very bad movie. movie. Um, the hilarious thing is, 
for this movie, I put the ceiling at a 10 mm-hmm. because when she jumps off the water tower, that was literally one of the few moments in a movie ever where I thought it was actually appropriate to stand up and clap and put my hands on my head. Oh, yeah. Or like clap too. But like, yeah, just stand up, arms in the air. Any, oh, I any did variation raise my of that. Arms. I did like, raise my arms. I couldn't believe it. Just, yeah, like it was that like. I mean, the guy next to us, I will always say he said it best. He just said, no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> he said, no fucking way. <laughs> Loud enough for everyone to hear it. <laughs> There's no fucking way. <laughs> what a guy. He lived for that moment right there. Don't worry, darling 49. Yeah, I'm okay with that. You know, I hate Chris Pine. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I thought Chris Pine was probably the okayest part of that and movie. We will never agree on that. Carry on. <laughs> The menu, number 18. <laughs> the last movie we saw before this, 82. Yeah, that movie makes me mad. Why? Because it was derivative, but acted like it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, it acted like it was pretty original. Yeah, and I think it was fairly derivative. It did have a lot of original elements, and it was fairly creative, but I think at its core, it was pretty derivative and the arrogance that it had, like that the story had, you know what I mean? It like oozed like this arrogance that like, Oh, this is so different. And I'm like, "Mm." kind of, it's kind of canned. Yeah. Because the characters were tropey, but they were like different tropey. Yeah. Like you knew the guy was definitely like banging, like, younger women or trying to yeah or yeah or attempting to prostitute using his power right yeah and then like the young stockbroker guys Mm -hmm. were like this is dinner and then they're just trying to fix everything with money yeah yeah do you know who i work for yeah this guy is the other guy's a burned out movie star the failing movie star and like i get it that all fits into like what you're trying to do but yeah it, it felt it felt fairly derivative I just, I and think then we're going to summer it at the end. Yeah. Where he lights himself on fire with everybody else. Yeah. Like, I didn't, like, that was extremely derivative. Like, and then the end, it was like, she played his game. And I thought that was kind of a dumb thing too, because it was like, what she like entranced him or like she wanted a way out. And like, I don't know, I guess it's her just being resourceful or something, but I just, well, she I was resourceful like because she used what she learned by going into his, house and getting a glimpse at his daily life that she knew what she could extort about his his past and his personality and stuff because yeah. it was the whole burger element it was yeah. she saw that picture like he was happiest of and like that's can too oh yeah the master chef who's at the heights of like a he was happiest when he was just flipping burgers and fries where is the career path there for him to keep going up and up and up yeah I mean, he's just that much of a perfectionist. AJ would be salty when he, <laughs> he loves that movie. I mean, I thought it was okay. I still gave it an 82 because it didn't offend me. No, that, I agree. It didn't offend me. And it was so shot like, well. Right? It, ha- it had good elements to it like that. And there's the, there's a good cast in there, too. Yeah. I mean, Ralph Finnis is a good actor. Right. He's a good leading. I mean, he wasn't really the lead in this one, I guess. No, she was. Yeah. She was the lead, but he was the villain. I mean, that is. Yeah. He's the villain. Anti-hero-ish yeah. villain. Yeah. 
82. I think that's a pretty good line for that. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it there, man. We're a little over an hour. Had a, good, had a good year of movies. Closed it out with Avatar. Not the best way to close it out. We'll see on Babylon. I probably won't see it before the year's over, personally. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll give it a shot. Maybe we should give that a shot. I don't know. <laughs> maybe we should. We have this new scoring system, so maybe we will. Uh, nonetheless, uh, stay tuned for weekly content from all of the podcasts on the Dip Podcast Network. Constantly hitting you with um, NBA basketball mlb everything anything you want we got you and then on the dip we're coming with film society culture music edge of society shit like cults and conspiracies we can't wait to dive into that and so uh, obviously stay tuned to the the dip into cults mini series uh if you have not listened yet um definitely check that out it's a nice little uh dive into some interesting groups that have existed along the way. We are out. See ya.